Welcome to Anchor Daily, where we daily engage in God's Word and prayer, reminding each other of the only anchor that truly holds. Hi, this is Greg Cullen. I'm one of the Bethel elders, and it's my pleasure to talk today about uh, Luke chapter 6. You know, what I love about reading the Gospels through like this is that you can't take Jesus out of context or, or miss something, some of his harder teachings. We have to take what he says as it comes and within the story. And sometimes it's even more clear that way and sometimes more challenging. Luke 6 opens with two stories about Jesus upending the traditions about the Sabbath. One where Jesus' disciples are plucking and eating grain on the Sabbath and one where Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. In the first, he confronts the Pharisees with the story of David, um, their legendary king, you know, doing something similar. And he tells them that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. In the second, he shows them that God cares more about people and doing good on the Sabbath than about their traditions that would keep him from doing good. Now, later in the chapter, we come to Luke's version of the teaching we heard earlier in Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. And most scholars believe that this teaching was something Jesus gave many times in many places, which explains the similarities and the differences between Luke's version and Matthew's. And here's where Jesus starts to hit us. We may not have a problem with the disciples picking and eating grain on the Sabbath, and I'm pretty sure most or all of us don't think Jesus should stop healing on the Sabbath, but now he gets to teaching that is hard for me to ignore and makes me uncomfortable. Starting in verse 27, Jesus says, But I say to you who hear, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish what others would do to you, do so to them. And then he gets really right to our hearts. And if we thought there was any way we could escape these previous words with any rationalization um, that we live them just fine or that perhaps he didn't really mean we have to love evil people or something, he makes it really hard to miss the real message he's delivering. He says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And after continuing this challenge in other areas, he he wraps it up by making sure we know that all of this reflects God's heart, telling us that he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And finishes by telling us, be merciful even as your father is merciful. There it is, right? If we believe the gospel, we have to understand that we were lost sinners, never capable of living or being good enough on our own to earn God's forgiveness and favor, all of us in need of a Savior. But God, through Christ, has been merciful to us. So when he calls us to be merciful to others, to love our enemies, even the evil ones, how can we say no? But let's go back for a minute to the first two stories in this chapter. 
where Jesus goes out of his way to show the Pharisees and us God's heart for people, where he tries to make it clear that he is not impressed with the Pharisees' righteous and devout lives, that he is not happy about their lack of love and concern for those who are in need or hurting. In Mark 2, 27, where the first story about the disciples picking wheat is retold, Mark adds that Jesus also said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The rules were created for our good, and it appears that Jesus is trying to tell us that God does not like it when we use his rules to hurt or oppress the people he loves. So what do we do with all of this? It's clear that we have to examine our hearts. I'm sure all of us can find someone we struggle to love or do good to or pray for. Did your candidate win or lose on November 3rd? If your candidate lost, can you love and pray for the candidate who won? What about people who you find out voted for the opposite candidate? I heard a story recently that broke my heart of a person that ended a decades-old friendship over a political disagreement. What did Jesus' words here say about that? What about lost, sinful people who don't know the Lord? People we shouldn't even expect to live according to his word. Can we love and pray for and do good to them? The problem is Jesus doesn't give us any wiggle room here. There is no unless they are really evil caveat. And he has already eliminated any self-righteousness we might feel in our holy living. So what does it take for us to forget these words and stop loving people? What level of discomfort and inconvenience or hardship or mistreatment can we think of that would drive us there? How do these compare to the situations that Jesus gives his commands under? People who hate you, curse you, abuse you, strike you on the cheek, take away your cloak and your goods. And let's keep in mind that Jesus was speaking to people who were truly under oppression by the Roman government. Yet he was clear and unwavering in challenging us to be loving under all circumstances or treatment. In fact, he calls us to love those who treat us poorly, pray for them, do good to them, and give them more than they take from us. Well, as I said at the beginning, as we read this chapter, it's hard to miss Jesus' words and message, and it's hard to hide from them. I find myself really challenged by them. I know I often fall short of this high bar that Jesus sets here. But now is the time for us as disciples of Jesus to search our hearts and rise up to meet this challenge, to learn to love all people in all circumstances, no excuses, no caveats. And when we're tempted to forget or rationalize, let's remember that God first loved us when we were yet sinners, that God made no excuses despite having the best reason to condemn us, that he showed us grace and mercy when we deserved death and punishment, that he showed us his love by sending his son Jesus to die for our hating and cursing and abusing and oppressing ways. That's the power of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we are, are awed by your holiness and your power and yet your love for us. We're awed by what you did for us by sending your son to die for us and how you paid the price for our sin. 
And Lord, um, as humbling as that is, Lord, um, it drives us to our knees to realize that, um, that we were hopeless without your love and grace and mercy. And Lord, I know I pray for me that uh, you help me to live a life uh, forever trying to show my gratitude for all that you did for us, to show my gratitude for the way that you loved me even when I was yet a sinner, how you showed me grace and mercy and how you sent your son to die for me. And I pray, Lord, that you will help me to view others as you view them, to see those around me, no matter how they treat me, no matter what circumstances I'm in, to view them, Lord, and to be able to give grace and mercy and love to them as you gave to me. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Listen in tomorrow as we continue to encourage one another to be anchored, steadfast, and secure in Jesus. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so because we'd love to continue to dive into God's word with you. We'd also like the chance to connect further with you. If you go to Bethel.ch, you'll see all sorts of ways to connect, serve, and worship with our church body. Finally, please consider sharing this podcast with your friends by word of mouth or on social media. Have a blessed rest of your day.